connecting with God's heart. I don't know what comes to your mind. It's interesting of the three topics that were assigned to me. This was the one that I just paused and paused and paused. Not because I don't believe in connecting with God's heart. Not because I'm not passionate about that. I'm sure you are too. But because when you really get to to exploring what that all might mean, there is a great amount of mystery. So this evening, for just a little bit, I'd like to start. We just have a simple four-point outline tonight. Um, the, The first thing we would just like to consider together is the heart of God. And that was a uh, term to me. I thought, well, I wonder how much in the Word of God is actually spoken about His heart. And there is, there's more there than I thought. You know, the, what came to mind right away was, uh, as we know, uh, God said, uh, I, I have found this man, David, and he is after my own heart. He also told Saul through the prophet Samuel, he said, this kingdom's being rent from you and I'm going to go find a man after my own heart. He was looking for shepherds in the realm of Israel and as he looked at Saul, Saul began to serve something else, his other purposes. And we'll see a little later tonight that there is... um, God is very jealous over shepherds for His people. And He's very jealous over shepherds. Uh, That comes right down to the home. The first place that uh, God's heart shows up is is right there before the flood in Genesis 6, 6. When God looked down and saw mankind and he saw the wickedness there and it says it grieved him at his heart. So as we begin to walk through, we're just going to go through a few of these little passages this, this evening to try to get a grip, uh, a grasp on um, what we might see, uh, some, some hints, some glimpses of God's heart. And so, as we know, he went through with the whole flood there with Noah. Uh, But then just two chapters later in the eighth chapter, as the the sacrifices were ascending up to the Lord and he smelled something in heaven, and the Bible says that when he smelled and, and saw Noah's sacrifice, he said in his heart, I will never do this again to mankind. This evening I am moved with the reality of God's heart. And there's a couple different aspects of the heart tonight I just want to mention to lay some groundwork tonight. The heart is where the thoughts and perceptions and intents, the will, the goals and plans are made. We see that side of God's heart. But it's also the seat of our character. It's it's that real person inside there. And I don't think it's too strong to say it's the place where the emotions and feelings come from, the heart. So tonight as we look at at God's heart and we look at at connecting with God's heart a little bit, We're pretty accustomed to thinking about things from our angle, but have you ever considered things from the Lord's point of view and from His heart? Psalm 33, 11 says, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, and the thoughts of His heart to all generations. Or read that again. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, and the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Just a question for you tonight. How important do you think it is to connect 
with God's heart. I'm going to go to two more spots here before we uh, move on into the main part of the message tonight. So we just consider, we just get these glimpses of God's heart. The one is in Jeremiah 3, and I'm just going to pull a verse here, verse 15, and look at that a little bit, and we'll hopefully come back to this chapter a little bit later, because there's a lot about the heart of God in, the, in Jeremiah 13. But he says in this verse, and it's kind of breaking into a thought there as he is, is telling Israel uh, his disappointment that they have went away from him. And he says, I'm going to give you pastors or shepherds after mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. God is very, very interested that his heart be connected with and that we become channels of his heart on beyond us in our realms of responsibility. Lastly, I'm just going to touch on one verse out of the New Testament, uh, Matthew 11 and 28, 29. It's one we know well. And this is God the Son. And this... This is uh, the words of Jesus. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This evening, I would just like to take some time. I'd like to spend t some time in two rooms. I'd like to spend some time in two rooms tonight. The one room, I think, as parents, you know very, very well. We're going to talk about that room first. The other room, we talk a lot about. And this is where I tremble tonight because we're just looking to the Lord Jesus. We're looking to the Holy Ghost to come and touch us in this other room, in the realm of this other room. Because what I found as I began to study this message tonight is that I'm very accustomed to the one room, the first room we'll talk about. The second room I'm very familiar with in concept. And I'm familiar with perhaps in discipline at times more than others, but I find a great difficulty. I find a great difficulty actually spending time in that room in a way that connects with God's heart. And so tonight we just want to spend a little time uh, looking at these two rooms. If you don't mind, brother, you can... Oh, you got it right here. Um, the first room we want to look at tonight is the room we're going to call the roll room. And I want to say before we start, I just need to give uh, some credit here, a couple of different credits. First of all, I, there's, there are several very powerful thoughts in this message that have been adapted from a book. I believe the man's name is Chuck Miller, and the title of the book is uh, The Spiritual Formation of Leaders. I just want to give that credit because uh, we, we are going to use some of his thoughts, particularly the second room here as we go on and uh, the other credit I want to give is, is the brothers back home one of our brothers Andrew Peters did some some sketching for me um, and we'll look at that a little bit later but uh, praise God for for the way he you know that the, the gospel isn't patented is it and there's no new idea under the sun but sometimes God uses men and we just want uh, to make sure that that credit goes to where it is due tonight so I just want to talk a little bit about the roll room tonight. The roll room. I'd like for you to take just a few moments and uh, think about all of the roles that you fill in life. It would be interesting, I'm not sure we'll do it, but it would be interesting if you want to start a little list on your page 
and just write, start writing down roles that you play in life, roles that you fill. I'm just going to write, I'm just going to mention a few of them that might be possibilities, and you just take it beyond that. So obviously this weekend we're talking about families, and the first role that comes to mind in that is the role of, of a husband. The role of a husband or a wife, a spouse. Then our minds go out just a little further, and yes, most of us here have children, perhaps grandchildren. And so we have the role of a father or a mother. You're probably employed somewhere or are employing people. And so we have the role of employer or employee. Perhaps you're on a committee board or a number of committees. And you've been tapped and you've, you're, uh, you're contributing to these committees uh, with some of your experience. And every so often you have committee meetings and you find that you have a role on this committee. If you're going to be faithful to it. We have local brotherhood roles. And that varies, I'm sure, according to each of our circumstances, but uh, that's a pretty big one. There's, there's probably multiple roles that we uh, take under the title of the local church or the local brotherhood. We have, in our setting, in German Baptist setting, we have an extended brotherhood. We have a we grouping of churches, and there are roles that are played in that. Some of you have volunteered uh, in certain that, and others have not been volu- not volunteered. You've been uh, someone else volunteered you, and uh, that's how roles go in life. Um, I think it would be fair to say that in some places you have the role of an expert in some field or another, particularly as you get older, you, you uh, multiply knowledge on top of knowledge and uh, experience, and uh, probably most of you in this room are experts at something, and you are looked to. So people call you up, or they come to your place of business, or whatever it is, and they come there because you're an expert, and you have a role to play as a, as a, with a certain level, level of expertise. Some of you play the role of manager, and you're managing maybe a few things, or maybe you're managing a lot of things. Some of you are in the role of mentor. I'm sure all of you have friends. And then we get into the realm of family. We have immediate family. I'm the, I have the role of a son. I have a dad. I have a role of blood brothers. And, and I need to play the role, I need to fulfill the role of, of being a brother, being a good son. We have uh, extended family. We have aunts and uncles, and my grandparents have all passed now, but not just too long ago. I had, I had grandparents, and I had a role to play as a grandson to drop in at Grandpa's house every once in a while and, and spend a little time sitting on the porch swing with Grandpa. The last one I wrote down, but don't please don't stop. Just keep writing your roles down. The last one I wrote was classmate alumni. That may seem a little strange, but you know, you went to school probably, unless you were homeschooled, you probably went to school with a, a number of people. And every once in a while you'll connect with those people. And we could go on and on and on. I'd really encourage you sometime, if you have time this weekend, if you have some quiet time, take some time and list your roles. Now, what do we do with roles? Well, if you're a responsible adult, you get up and you do your role. 
And I can just imagine that about seven o'clock on most weekdays, the coffee pot's rolling. We are, uh, you know, we, we're in motion, us brothers. We're at work. We are fulfilled. We're stepping into our roles. But what happens is we become very familiar with stepping into the roll room. And this is a room of uh, mechanics. Uh, this is a role, this is a room where um, we think about how we do things. And we, uh, we step up to the plate. We figure out how to do it. You know, the, this approach, uh, spending time in this room is just what we are taught in life. And it comes pretty much standard to our thinking. We hone in on the critical mechanics. But I ask you tonight a question, and I ask myself this question. Is it possible that I have become role-driven instead of spirit-led? Role-driven begins to infringe on spirit-led. And the question I have for myself and all of us tonight is what do we do about that? I'd like to move now to the second room. Let's see here. There we go. This room we're going to call, thanks to Chuck Miller, the soul room. The soul room. As you see, this room is in the middle of the roll room. And we'd like to spend most of our time this evening. By the way, when is, uh, what's the stop time here? I didn't pay attention. We'd like to spend most of our time this evening considering what it's like to be in the soul room and to live life from the soul room, everything flowing out of the soul room. Towards the end of the message, we'd like to come back to the roll room, but I want to spend some time tonight thinking about the soul room. <clears throat> Considered just calling this the secret place. The secret place. If you'd like to turn your Bibles tonight to Psalm 91, the Lord tells us about this secret place. And I think it is a secret place. It's not so secret, secret. But it's secret because of the joys that flow out of this place. I'm just going to read this psalm this evening. I'd like you just to ponder what it means and the reason we kept this term that Chuck gave us, this soul room term, is because it is very, very descriptive. I thought about putting up on here, in fact, I searched the stock images, had all kinds of great ideas for the soul room. But you know what? None of them come even close. They don't hold a candle to your soul room. And just as sure as we put an image up here, that's what you're going to remember. And that's not what we want. We want us to remember the real place. This is a place where we go to meet with God. This is a place where we go to connect with the Almighty. This is a place where His power comes and anoints us. His presence. This is a place where problems are solved before we even go out to meet them. It's a place where the equations all completely change in the soul room. Let's read this together. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, 
In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler and thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor for thy arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Thy habitation sounds like a, a good place to live. In the soul room. <clears throat> there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. And they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. And here's why, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has made known my name. He shall call on me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. Will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? This evening, I'd just like to think about connection in the soul room, and I just want to say that I think you can think about all evening as we talk about this, you can think about this, these two words, living water. Living water. Jesus talked about living water quite a bit in his ministry. And we'll, we'll look a little bit more at that as we go along this evening. Remember, the title of the message is Connecting with God's Heart. And remember that God has a heart. He has a will. He has a passion. He has desires of what families will look like. He has desires of how people will, will flourish under Him. And He also has, uh, I think I can just say this, He has feelings. You know, there's always a risk talking to people like this because I have no idea what your soul room looks like. I have no idea. Probably a good portion of you tonight as I bring this out, perhaps this is where you've been all day long. And if that's the case and you have more to add as we fellowship this weekend, just, just do that. Because this is about connecting with God. This is about finding in His presence the real thing that moves everything in the world. And we're going to look at this uh, this weekend, we trust, in the light of, of families and of, of parents and of spouses. So three people we meet in a soul room. First of all, there, there is just a lot of fellowship in the soul room. There's three people we meet in the soul room. The first one I want to talk about is God the Father. He's in the soul room. And He's waiting on me and you to come in there. There's two things I have written down for each of these people that we meet in the soul room that are distinguishing characteristics. They are not conclusive. But they are very special. The first thing about God the Father is a word I'm going to call position. Position. I'll just read this verse out of 1 John 3. You know it by heart probably. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Wherefore the world knoweth 
us not because it knew him not. When we come into the soul room and we meet there the Father, we meet someone who loves us as a son. Who, because we are a son. Because he has made us indeed a son. I don't know what that does for all of you. I don't know what your dad was like or is like. But I'll tell you what, God's heart for daddies is that they are the safest place on the planet as far as my immediate connection. Obviously, not more safe than God, but they are, they are that place where I can go and I can connect. That's what, the way it's supposed to be. And I, I look at my life as a daddy, and I, I don't think that it's where, anywhere close to where to being like him. And that's where I want, that's what I want to learn from you this weekend. How can I be a daddy like he is? The second thing that's very, very special about God the Father as we meet him in the soul room is a word I'm going to call provision. Provision. It's hard enough sometimes to get our mind around position. But then as we go about in the flesh, this is a big, big key. I think I do not understand the provision of God Almighty. I do not understand how wealthy He is. I do not understand how that He has all the resources that everybody needs. And it's right there waiting on me and He's waiting on you in the soul room. He wants to connect with you. And as we spend time in His presence and He makes us like Him, I'm kind of spoiling the rest of the message, but there's something very special that happens to us when we come out of that place. I just want to challenge us tonight. You know, the whole, the whole chapter of Matthew 6 is about the provision of God. And you can go look at it. You can look at it in so many different ways. But if you go look at that whole chapter from the eyes of the provision of God, you even look at the Lord's Prayer in the context of the provision of God. And he says it so many, he just says it almost kindergarten style in that, in that chapter. He says, don't you know that the, the, the very flowers, don't you know? And he just take, he leads us all the way through this thought process, process. He even says, don't do that. That's what, the, that's what the Greeks do. You're mine. I'll provide for you. And I think it's very, very literal. But I also think that it is very, very spiritual. And in, tonight I want to take from this the spiritual thing that God our Father is a provider. He has everything I need. And He's waiting for me, He's waiting for you in the soul room. The second person we want to meet in the soul room is God the Son. There's two distinguishing characteristics about God the Son that I want to bring out tonight, one of those is His shepherd's heart. You know, you read through the... Uh, through the Gospels, and it just seems like time after time after time we see Jesus. You know what He says? He was moved with compassion. He's moved with compassion. He saw the people. He was tired. He was hungry. But he just had to stop and help. Jesus has a shepherd's heart. God the Son. In fact, I thought we don't have time. I'm not going to go through it tonight. But if you want to take a little time, just walk gently, slowly, methodically, prayerfully through the 23rd Psalm. And just look at the heart of God the Son. Look at all He has, is doing there for you and for me in the soul room. The second 
feature I want to think a little bit about in God the Son is his role or his, um, his character of deliverance. I'm going to read from the gospel according to Isaiah in the 61st chapter here, very familiar passage to us, but just listen to Jesus the Deliverer. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion and to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord and that he might be glorified. Moms, could you use any of that on Tuesday at 1045 when the laundry stack is this high and the diapers are stacking up and you name it, the nerves are frazzled. We could go spend a lot of time there and I, I want to possibly we will another time, but uh, Jesus, God the Son, is a man who is characterized by compassion, by friendship, and by deliverance. Shepherding and deliverance we see and we meet in God the Son in the soul room. Third person we meet there who is waiting on us is God the Holy Ghost, waiting there in the soul room. Three people, three persons of the Godhead. The two things that characterize God, the Holy Spirit, are uh, comfort and reproof. And there are more, but I, I just pulled those two out because they, they show us both sides of the Holy Spirit, if you can even say it that way. Jesus said in John 16, Nevertheless, I tell you, it's expedient that I go away. For if I go not away in the flesh, the, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, uh, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Sounds like a pretty complete group of people with a pretty complete portfolio of, of uh, capability. But I've been out here so much in the roll room, running around like a chicken with my head cut off, that I haven't made it to the soul room today. Sound familiar? I mean, I got places to go, people to see, things to do. Got to keep this show on the road. I mean, it's going to fall off the wagon if I don't get out and get this thing moving. And we got I got phone calls, I got voicemails, I got emails, and, and, and then that fell apart. I don't know if any of you deal with that, but I do. My dad had a plaque on the, on the wall in his office when I grew up. I, I think it went something like this. Brother Kurt might remember. I think he saw it uh, there working. Uh, in that office for many years. Uh, there's something to the effect of, uh, I got up and I was so busy, I just didn't have time to pray. And he went through his day and, and things were such a wreck that the next day he said, I was so busy that I could not go through, couldn't even start the day without prayer. And I think that's the essence of what we're talking about tonight. Time in the soul room is flipping the script on the roll room.
We want to meet with God in the soul room. We also want to hear God in the soul room. And I want to uh, give you a little uh, formula tonight. I want to consider what we do with Scripture reading in the soul room. This little um, word here is core aid. And I want to focus tonight as we think about Scripture, I want to focus on really listening as we go in there and meet. Uh, as we look at this, this, uh, sec, this, this sub-point under the soul room, uh, I just have this titled Hearing God, and, and I just have a, a couple, couple things I want to mention before we go into this. You know, one thing that's really important to hear is, is, is quietness. And I think there's a tremendous blessing when we come to a certain place in the road and we start seeing all this, this roll stuff start to churn up. Just stop. Just stop in your tracks and just, just be quiet. And just walk in your mind, in your heart, in your soul's mind. Just, just take the, the journey. Just step into the presence of God. And listen, listen, just step in there and sense his presence. We'll be talking more about prayer, but prayer in the soul room is also a very, very key thing. It might sound a little strange because in our mind's eye, here we are, we're perhaps setting on three chairs in the soul room, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and I'm sitting across from them, and we're fellowshipping together, but prayer all through this time, just taking time, dedicated time to pray, and and go to those places, quiet our hearts, let Him speak to us. But I want to look here at Scripture in the soul room, you know, I don't know how it is for you, Probably many of you have uh, scripture reading plans. Others of you have very, very dedicated times where you, you spend time in the Word. Maybe take a verse, write a take home from this. But you know, as I was, was thinking through this and, and just allowing these truths to, to speak to my heart, I began to realize that there is often a disconnect in my mind between taking the life, the living water in the soul room and actually letting the Word create action items in my life that actually are real-world uh, real to-dos or real-world problem-solving features as I go back out into that roll room. That's what we're going to look at tonight. This is a very simple little formula I want to look at together. The first thing uh, to do as we come into the roll room or excuse me, the soul room, is to cast. And this uh, scripture, you know well, they're out of Peter, cast your care upon him for he cares for you. Cast. And, and I just would like to give you this example. It might go something like this. You, you come into the soul room and you just, you just come in there and you just sit down and you say, Lord, I'm really discouraged about this circumstance that's happening over here in my life. And I just got a phone call from so-and-so. It sounds like that whole situation is not looking too good. Plus, I've got this deadline coming up, and, and I'm feeling a lot of internal pressure. And I'm just not sure, Lord, how to handle it. We just begin to cast our care upon Him. The Bible says in that verse that He cares for you, and He cares for me. So as we think about hearing God in the soul room, we're really going to have to start talking to Him and really getting down on the granular level of what is on our heart. Just do that. Just cast your care upon Him and rest and be in silence. The next thing as we pick up the Word uh, is we overview. We overview, and I just want to take, whether you're reading a chapter or a verse, just quickly scan this. This is a very practical. 
This is just a little bit of a template for digging into the Word and allowing God to speak to us through the Word. So we quickly scan and we overview the passage. We just read down through it real quickly and we get a sense of where we're going and kind of the, the borders, uh, kind of like Kent gave us tonight, just the borders of the, of the territory we're going to be in tonight. Then we go through and we read slowly and deeply. Go back through the passage and read. Meditate upon it. Ask myself, what is it saying? What is the message of this passage? Am I noticing that there are things being repeated or emphasized in certain ways? Just slowly read the passage. But we're not done yet. The third thing, the E, is examine. We'd like to just examine this passage, and now I'm going to go back through and read slowly through it again. And each verse or each area I stop and I say, what is the meaning? How are the words structured here? And the phrases, perhaps. What's the context? We can ask ourselves things like this. Is God the one at work here in this particular? Or is it man? Who is the one who is acting? As we begin to read down through that again like that, we can ask the Spirit, Lord, what would you like me to dwell on in this passage? Emphasize what I need or what my situation. You know my cares. You know my problems. What do I need to hear out of this passage? And he may lift out a word or a phrase or perhaps a paragraph. Um, It's often happened to me, a word, just a burning single word that will not leave my mind. Precious. We can put ourselves inside the passage. Try to imagine what things are sounding like smelling like try to imagine what the atmosphere is the uh, the atmosphere of the room you might say where those people are Um, what conversations are going on what facial expressions are the people having that are in this passage what is being said here lord And I'm not speaking, I'm not saying that it's wrong to study the Bible. But in this case, we're not necessarily studying the Bible. We're trying to connect with God's heart. We're asking the Spirit. It's not necessarily a time to just take it all apart and study it mentally. It's a time to say, what are you saying to me, Lord, in this passage? What do you want this to mean in my life? Or how does this apply to my situation next we have apply carefully consider how God wants this passage to affect me what when and with whom will I do all that I have learned today I'm going to repeat that What, when, and with whom will I do all that I have learned today? But I want to give you this warning. If you haven't been down this road, beware. Satan can handle most of everything we've done to date. We've talked about earlier. But when we start applying the Word of God, you've got a battle in your hands. Because this is when it gets real. This is when God, the water, the living water of God begins to flow out of me. It just didn't just come in here and do something in my mind that it was supposed to do because I'm a Christian. It came in here and it's changing me and making me Christ-like as I go out and connect with back in the roll room. He uses that scripture to shape, to reshape my mind and my heart. And this, this play area of application is literally the area uh, of transformation. This is where things begin to transform in my heart 
in mind. I'm going to give you an example here tonight. Uh, I'm just going to look at Colossians 3.17. It says this, And whatsoever you do, do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So as I observe this passage, perhaps I'm just going to go through a, 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 a mock situation here. I, what I observe here is uh, that this, is, this passage is going to affect what I say and it's going to affect what I do. And that it will be a distinct call to review uh, both of those things in the light of the name and purpose of Jesus. And that it will involve a new level of practical verbal thanksgiving as I go about my life. It may prompt things like taking an inventory of my recent words and deeds. It may bring to mind people with whom I have relational struggles. Whatsoever I do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. I will pray to God about them, thinking about how all of my words and deeds toward them can be done in the name of the Lord Jesus, seeking for what Jesus would do if He were here. I will put new reminders in my planner to reflect on gratitude. I may go on a prayerful exploration of my trials for ways to thank God for things in my life that I wish were different, realizing that He is enough for me. Do we see what's happening here in the soul room? The Spirit is speaking to me through the Scriptures. He's shaping my thoughts, my heart, and even my schedule very differently than I would if I did it from the roll room. The next one we have down here is implore. And that's just simply pray deeply again to the Lord for enabling power to do what He is putting in my heart. Ask Him to open the doors, to pave the way. Ask Him to show you uh, where you can do what you can do. Just pour out even the difficulty that your flesh is bringing up to the situation. And then lastly, declare. And this is a principle that, that... Teachers have known for a long time that if you will go teach somebody what you are learning today, it will stick in your mind better. Don't, don't keep it to yourself. When you're on the phone with someone or connecting with someone that day, just think about what a blessing it would be to share with someone today what God has taught you in the soul room. Can you imagine what would happen if we all did that? It's an amazing thought process. <clears throat> I want to go to my last point. First point was God's heart. Second point was the roll room. Now we looked at the soul room. The last point I'm going to call connections from God's heart. Perhaps a play on the title. I want to look at several things as we wrap up our thoughts this evening, as we take this, this very vital thing of spending time in the very life-giving presence of the Lord. I want to look at some ways we miss it. Got several actions here that I just want to consider. So imagine yourself being the cup. And imagine that God is the pitcher. And God is full of living water. And as we come into the roll room, we get under that living water and He begins to pour and he begins to pour, and he keeps pouring, and the, the water just level starts coming out. You feel it. You feel it coming up. And it comes up, and it just comes right up, and it begins to overflow after a little while, and it flows right over the edge of the cup. In this illustration, all of these illustrations, God is the pitcher, I am the cup, See if I can figure out how the pointer works on here. This uh, plate or this saucer here is the relationships in my life, my roles, perhaps. And this plate are events and institutions and organizations and things like that. 
really like this. This is an event, and it's a plate. Well, what happens is, in the, if I haven't spent time in the, in the soul room, in this is case, this is a person who is, is very active and responsible in their, in their leadership role. Let's just take us dads. Here I am active and responsible, but I haven't been under the spout, and I keep trying to pour on these relationships in my life and on this plate and these events and I just keep seeking the Lord. I'm, 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 I've got a level of drive and I'm active and I'm responsible. But after a while, I'm just shot because I don't have anything to give. Another way we get it wrong is we are dutifully doing what we need to do. We're staying focused. And yet, there are just things in our life that are just, the cup has a crack. And God is pouring in. You can see there's a whole lot up there. Red button. Red button, thank you. There's a whole lot up here waiting to come into my vessel. But... I've let too many things happen in my life, and in a lot of ways, I'm just kind of cracked. Now, don't misapply this. We need to be broken. That's a different analogy. But tonight, we're, we're thinking about my cup is leaking, and I just I can't get full of the Lord. I've just, I'm overtaxed, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm running around dealing with all the stuff I should as a dad or a mom or, or whatever my situation is in life but I am not able to receive the fullness of the Lord. Here is one where somehow the cup, or I'm sorry, the saucer, got on top of the plate, which is on top of the cup, and I'm trying to get God into these relationships in my life. I mean, he's, got, he's full of, look at it, the water is flowing, and I keep bringing these saucers to the Lord, and I say, Lord, fill them. Fill, fix these relationship problems. But my cup is still empty. I'm empty. I'm trying to influence or connect with folks so that they can have life. But I am not receiving the life. Another scenario, I go to events or seek out models or look to institutions and you can just, you can keep going on this. We go to the structure to make it happen and in that case we see the big plate is on top of the saucer and the saucer is on top of the cup and that flow will only last, I think Kent uh, encouraged us tonight right out of the gate, what are we going to do to take this home and make it real in my life? If we're not careful, what can happen in my life? So I'm going to go home and I'm going to say, man, that was good. And I'm going to go home and there will be, there'll be moisture around, but I will not be sitting under the flow of the Lord Jesus and the Lord in the soul room. Another scenario that can happen is that I know the soul room very well. But I really like solitude. And I go out in the desert and I just overflow with the, with the presence of God. And He fills and fills and fills and fills. And all of these relationships are back here empty. And the other responsibilities perhaps that, that could benefit from God's overflow in my life are sitting over here empty. I seldom come out of the soul room. But lastly, I just want to look at what I think God is wanting to do in our lives. He wants the cup on top of the saucer, and He wants the saucer on top of the plate. And God wants us to spend time with Him in the soul room. And He wants to fill us, and fill us, and fill us. And pretty soon we begin to overflow with His presence, the life-giving water of the Lord Jesus. And it flows right down into the relationships. And it fills them up. 
And pretty soon there's sparkles in their eyes. There's springs in their steps. There's passion for the Lord in their life. We can think about this as dads and moms or spouses in this case. And it flows right on out to the larger structural things in life. And you can see that it even overflows beyond that out here. And the flow of the Lord Jesus. What do you think God meant when he said, I'm going to put living waters in your belly and it's going to just gush out of there? I think he meant that he wants to fill us with living water. Just a couple more points I want to make here before we wrap up. God's presence and His equipping redefine how I think about position. You know, we all have positions in life. That's what our roles are. There's not a one of us that don't want to be a good dad that have children. There's not a one of us that haven't put a good bit of effort probably into being a good dad. But somehow if I spend time, go back up here, if I just spend all my time out here in the roll room trying to make this happen, uh, let me give you an example. Lord Welling will talk about uh, the family altar on Saturday night. What a great role. The dad comes to the family altar and he's been studying and he is going to really have a good family devotion tonight. It's his role. He's going to step up. He's going to lead the family devotion. And it's going to be really good. It's going to be such a blessing. But think about if dad would have been here all day long. And then we come to the family devotions, and, and we, didn't even, we don't even blow in the, the message on Saturday night here, but we, we might not even get to the scripture that we had in mind because there's so much flowing out of here. And as we connect out here in the role as daddy, and we connect to Jesus Christ, and we, we go to the, or maybe we read the scripture, and the, the, the conversation goes an entirely different place. And it's because that life is flowing out of the soul room. It treasures the people. It knows that connecting the situation with God's nature and person will create change. Think about Jesus in the upper room. He washed feet. He reclined. He talked. He communicated. He gently... Uh, I guess you would say chastised. But there in that place, in that upper room with Jesus, there was fellowship. Think about Jesus at the, with the woman at the well. And as he spends time with her, she begins to fill up. And after a while, there's something very different that's happening, even though he, in his role or his position could have done something very differently there relationship stabilizes responsibility and when there is living water that comes out of us when we've been in the soul room and we come out into the role room everything changes it's you know jesus did a lot of miracles with water but it's water miracles all the time. Perhaps you uh, have a problem at work um, and you're anticipating a very tense conversation with some coworkers, and you're not exactly sure how this is going to go. And so you organize it, you put a lot of thought into it, you spend all that time in the roll room and you you come to the meeting, and uh, just like you thought, it's a major chess game. Or a quiet man comes out from the presence of God. 
the shining face. Yes, he shows up. Yes, there's an agenda to the meeting. But all of a sudden, the very presence of God, the living water of God, begins to touch people. Their hearts open. Their minds open. And things are entirely different as we've spent time in the roll room or in the soul room with the Lord Jesus. Water miracles, the transformation of the everyday. So this evening, I trust that this uh, message, I hope that there is, that, that you can connect with what I'm saying tonight. I'm just talking, I'm speaking to you out of my own dearth. But I treasure the message tonight. And I want to learn more, even this weekend, as we fellowship together and as we treasure time together, I want to learn more what it means to meet the Lord God Almighty, to connect with His heart, and that He can make connections, and that those connections will transfer what He wants to do. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.